Noah, are you excited to be here, bro? Yes. Amen. Above Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, guys, Bibles. Luke chapter 5. And I want to talk to you guys today about how to be real disciples of Jesus Christ. How to be real disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, let me tell you a story. In the town that I grew up in, there was a carpenter who lived, and he came from a long generation of carpenters in Italy. He had emigrated to Cape Town and to South Africa, and um, this was probably in the 1960s or 70s. His name was Franco, and he was an incredibly gifted, still is, carpenter. Um, he could make the most amazing furniture, tables, and kitchen units, and just super gifted. And that was something that he got from his father and his grandfather and so on. And they, they had passed this long line in Italy. And his son, Paulo, was a friend of mine. We were in school together. And Paulo grew up spending holidays, spending weekends in his father's carpentry shop, covered in sawdust, watching his father day after day, crafting those beautiful tables and chairs and so on and so forth. And as Paula grew up, that skill, that ability of his father began to be poured into him. And he grew up. And after a few years, I noticed the sign had changed from Franco's carpentry to Franco and Sons. And that's a real exciting thing, you know, for anyone in business to have their son, their child pick up that gifting and be able to run in the same lane. And that is something that I believe brought so much glory to God, the Father, to see Jesus, His Son on earth, doing the works of the Father. What an amazing thing. You know, when every time that God spoke of Jesus, He said, this is my son. I'm so pleased in him. I'm so, uh, this is my only son. I'm, uh, in whom I'm well pleased. And, you know, when Jesus was preparing to go up into heaven, he said these words to his church. He said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And you see, for every person of us here tonight who's a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a son or daughter of God. And the most amazing thing is that as Jesus is saying, as I received that calling, as I went in my father's lane, I want you also to get in that lane. As the father sent me, I'm sending you. And what an amazing thing to pick up that career of Jesus, of making disciples, of baptizing, of teaching and doing the very works of Jesus. That's the heart of your Savior, Jesus. And before Jesus was going up into heaven, he really gave two commands. And the first commandment that he gave was, go into the world, preach the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized, that person will be saved. Okay? And so that was the first command, the first commission. 
I want you to go out, preach, tell people about Jesus. I want those people to get saved. And the second, he said, and this is leading on from that, he said, I want you to go out, make disciples. Can you guys see the difference here? So he's saying on the one hand, I want you to preach the gospel, save people, save those that are lost. But now he's saying, make them disciples. And he says, I want you to make disciples of them, baptizing them. And then he says, teaching them to obey all the things that I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And you see, in any church, you will get both those kinds. There's two kinds, you could say breeds of Christians. There's those that are saved and baptized, and their destiny is heaven. They know the Lord, and it's a beautiful thing. How many of you here, you know that you are saved? You're not doubting it, right? That's awesome. But then he says, here's the other breed. The other breed are the disciples of Jesus. Those are the ones that are saying, I want to go in the lane of Jesus. I want to learn all the things that he taught. I want to grow in that. I want to make disciples. I want to be a disciple. And this is really the exciting thing. And what are we going to look at tonight? What I want to show you guys is just how you and I can be disciples, real disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is really the most awesome thing. I, I'm not interested. Okay, I, I am interested. I want you guys all saved. That's important. But I'll get doubly excited if I know you're saved and real disciples of Jesus. You're running in his lane, going with him. And, um, and let, let's read. And we, we're looking at this passage here where Jesus calls his first disciples. Are you there? It's Luke chapter 5. And we'll be looking at verse 1 through 11, Luke 5, 1 to 11. And it says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. That's the Sea of Galilee, in other words. And saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that it began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. 
from now on you will catch men. And so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and they followed him. Now this is a scripture that has really spoken a lot into my life and led me in the path that I believe the Lord has for me and for Karen and ultimately our family. And that is following Jesus as his disciples, being a fisher, a catcher of men. You know, when I was saved, I was a wee little lad, six years old. And I received Jesus actually in the bath. I was bathing at that time. And I called my mother from the kitchen. I said, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Right there, right there. And I did, in the bath. So baptism was a fairly easy thing. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so I, later, I, because um, the more traditional church we were at, they didn't quite um, support young children getting baptized. It was more for older people. And so I had to wait. So when I was 12 years old, I got permission from the pastor to get baptized, but not by him. It was on condition. When he was on vacation, then I could get baptized by one of the elders. And that's how it happened, 12 years old. So at that point, from 12 and going into high school, I knew I was a Christian. I'd accepted Jesus Christ. I was saved, but that's all I knew. I'm a Christian. The other stuff didn't make too much sense to me. But years later, I'm in college. I'm about 24 years old. And... Um, like three years ago, no. and I'm like, God is really speaking to my heart, and, and this discipleship thing keeps coming up, and I'm at a youth Easter camp, and the guy that is, was speaking, he was uh, someone from the Cape Flats area, and um, he was a very black and white kind of guy, but he started speaking about this discipleship, and just going on the Lord's, Lord's direction, making yourself, offering yourself, be a disciple of Jesus. And I remember coming forward and, and the Lord and the Holy Spirit just touched me so powerfully. I, I mean, I was never cried in public before. That was the first time. Just really like, wow, Jesus. And I really want to offer myself to you. I want to give myself to you. Lock, stock, barrel, everything. Jesus, just you lead the direction. You show me what you want of me. You lead me. That person I'm supposed to marry one day, you show me. But everything was just laying down, laying down, laying down, laying down, and taking up, taking up, taking up. And at that moment, I started to realize, I think something radical is going to happen. I think Jesus is going to do, I'm going to experience something. Because at that point, I was studying engineering, and I just, that's where my mind, but things started to change. And I found myself not so fulfilled in that work anymore. I was caring more about people and and, and church, and this whole thing of discipleship just began to, that just swirled around in my mind day after day after day, being a disciple of Jesus. And I think what really, um, probably what the, the penny dropping was that disciples of Jesus weren't just those 12 guys in the Bible we read about, but disciples of Jesus are you and me today. That's disciples of Jesus. And the Lord was really ministering to me. And, and I think over the years, I've begun to learn and just write down notes and things and thoughts. And I want to share some of those 
things with you over the years that have really become true in my life. What is a real disciple of Jesus? What does a real disciple look like? How is a real disciple different from just someone who's saved? And I want to ask you guys if you can take some notes. I'm going to share with you seven things. But I'll ask Karen to step in at any moment so it might, that seven might turn into eight, nine, or ten. Hope you don't mind, but just have those pens handy. And, um, you know, I would, I would really, I think in those early days, called myself a scrambled eggs kind of Christian. Because that's just what I was. You know, I was, I was kind of, uh, uh, had Jesus in me, but also had the world in me. And sometimes you couldn't tell the difference. Is this guy a Christian or, you know, is he an unsaved? What is he? You know, when you scramble those eggs up, you know, the yolk white mixes up, you can't tell the difference. And what Jesus was doing is he was unscrambling me as a disciple. And he was saying, no, this is, this is light. This is darkness. Walk in the light. And so um, these are some of the things that were kind of really resonating with me. And so um, here in this chapter, we really find out what discipleship, real discipleship is all about. And um, yeah, is this something, are, are you guys keen for this? Is this really what you want to hear? Okay, good. Otherwise, I'll preach another sermon. <laughs> okay, but the first thing, just looking at this passage, is that I want to assure you, have you got some points up there? Because my memory isn't always that good, okay? That, oh, the next one, okay. Okay, fishermen, do you, do you want to just go back to that, okay? Um, I, I just put that picture in there to show you and really prove to you that there really are fish in the Sea of Galilee, Okay? <laughs> And some of them are big fish. And so when you hear in this passage that the disciples' nets were beginning to break, can you see why? This is on the Sea of Galilee. And that's a fisherman. And you know, like today, the fishing really isn't that different from how it was in the days of Jesus. Um, I was reading up somewhere that um, every year they pull out fishermen in the Sea of Galilee, pull out 2,000 tons of fish. I mean, it's teeming. Now, now, just to give you some perspective, you've got a beautiful view over here of like Table Bay and everything. So the Sea of Galilee is more or less the size of Table Bay. And um, it's a little bit deeper, in fact. Water isn't salty, it's sweet. And there's lots of about 20 different kinds of fish. Those are the bigger ones. And of course, there's the smaller tilapias that are like called St. Peter's fish and all that kind of thing. So that, that's those. But um, when their nets were beginning to break, that's who they were. So who were Jesus' first disciples? Fishermen, okay? And um, so you've got Peter and Andrew, you've got James and John. Those were the first disciples. And so the first point that I want to make with this, number one, okay, next, um, other one, other one. Real disciples of Christ are mostly ordinary, everyday people. Okay, so don't think you, you know, if I'm going to be a serious follower, a serious disciple of Jesus, um, you know, if I'm going, God's going to use me to save other people, I've got to be something special. I've got to go off to study at Bible college for seven and a half years. No, 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 no. Okay, these guys were ordinary people. And I said mostly because there are some extraordinary people in the kingdom, mostly you guys, but the rest of us, okay? The rest of us, we're just ordinary people. And 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 27, Paul says, My dear friends, remember what you were when God chose you. 
the people of this world didn't think that many of you were wise. Only a few of you were in places of power. And not many of you came from important families. Are there any kings or queens or princesses or princes here? You know, part of the royal family? No, I didn't think so. Okay? And it's true. But God shows the foolish things. Guys, this verse I had underlined in every Bible overhead. Because I'm, I'm one of those foolish things. God chose the foolish things of this world to put to wise the shame. He chose the weak things of this world to put the powerful to shame. And, and that's the first thing that we've got to realize is the devil would disqualify you. And there's two ways that he can disqualify you. One is by pulling you into a sinful lifestyle, okay? And then that he kind of, what he basically does is he neutralizes you because you lose that power of the Holy Spirit over your life. So that's the one way. The other way is that he messes with your head and he makes you think you're nothing. He makes you think what you've got to bring is not important, that it doesn't count, that it's, well, you know, how can you save someone? You're not an evangelist. You're not this. And, and you know, guys, we, we just really, I think we are so gullible with the devil. It's like so much of the time we're believing half this junk he's telling us, okay? And so we've got to realize that just the greatest blessing of our lives can just be that we're ordinary people with an extraordinary God. Amen? Okay. The second thing is that real disciples of Christ are people who are drawn to Jesus and to the Word of God. And in verse 1, if you remember reading, now there were masses of people there on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus was preaching, and the previous day he'd been healing and preaching in the synagogues. And he comes down to the Sea of Galilee and the multitudes from all directions are following him. And so, Jesus has to get into a boat. So, he sees Peter's boat there. And he goes to Peter. Peter was busy washing his nets. And he goes, he says, can I get into your boat? And he pushes off a little bit to the land, uh, into the water. And Jesus begins to preach to the people from there. And so, here are the people. And notice, uh, I like the language. It mentions just how they were coming in. It says the people pressed in to hear the word of God. They were pressing in. They, they were pushing. It's really, the word's really implying like force. Like these guys were hungry for what Jesus had to say. Are you that way? Because that is a mark of true disciples is that they are hungry for the word. They are passionate. You know when... And I'll say, I'll use the word, when Jesus arrested my heart, when, when I was 24, and, um, and I can just remember suddenly, like, just this, yes, this hunger for the Word of God. And I, I, would, I would just, like, devour. And at that time, just to let you know what a Sunday was like, Corin's dad was our pastor, Graham Ganeski, and an amazing preacher, goes, take us through the Bible, and, and so... Sunday mornings. I would not miss a Sunday morning. The surf could be cooking at Sea Points, Thermopylae, Big Bay, Commerce, whatever. I would not miss church for nothing. You can't take me away from church. Okay? I would be there just to worship the Lord and to hear the word of God. And I would literally, I'd be under, as he's going through the verses, I'm like underlining, underlining, marking out, taking notes. And then, 
church comes out, and you might think, okay, he's got a full tummy now. I can go home, go serve. No. <laughs> Sunday, 3 p.m., okay, so go home, get some, get some food, get some lunch. We're off to his people at the Baxter, Paul Daniel, preaching the Word of God. Now, there was an amazing move of God happening in Cape Town at that time. Any of you guys know back Lucas and all those guys? That Paul Daniel is preaching the Word of God and, and amazing. People were getting saved every Sunday. His people was growing exponentially. Do you know, to get into the Baxter, I kid you not, sometimes you had to wait in a line for an hour just to get in there. It was crazy. It was never parking, and it was you'd have to park like blocks down, and you get in there, and you're sitting there with your Bible, your notebook, and your pen, and you're just taking notes. And then there was Bible school, and now we normally come out about five o'clock from from his people at that time. Six o'clock was the evening service. We had to get there pretty fast because sometimes we come out a bit late and then we're <laughs> like driving fast on to ah, now get back to church for the evening service. And, and you see, that was my routine. And I, I was so hungry from the word. Carl, can you pass the, this thing? Yeah. I want to show you. Um, I, I keep journals and I keep notebooks and all that. I've never thrown them away. This is from when I was 24. And um, I've I just want to show you guys because, like, every sermon, everything I would hear, just note, 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 note. And I would, I would basically, I'd be listening to something like almost like maybe one message a day or something. I'd, in those days, tape players, be playing these tapes. I'd play, rewind, and then I'd want to write down word for word what this guy was saying and what, and, and it was just, Note after note, and then I go through it, and then I pray for it. God, what you're saying to me, how you're ministering to me. And there was this hunger. So I understand these guys, the way they were pressing. I think Jesus thought he was going to get crushed. But these guys are hungry. This is an appetite. Do you have that appetite? Okay? Because I, I don't think a lot of Christians that, like, you know, they, they come to church, hear the word, and they, they put their Bible somewhere, and then they don't touch it for another week. Guys, come on. We've got to get the word of God in us. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, some of you are looking at me like, yes, this guy's a fanatic. <laughs> I am, but it's okay. Third point. Real disciples of Jesus are people who make room for God in their lives. Real disciples of Jesus are people who make room for God in their lives. You know, there, there's, there's this real thing of like in the world, it's like things are mine, 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 me, my thing. Peter could have so easily go, that's my boat. I, Jesus, whose boat are you stepping into? That's my boat. Now, I know fishermen. I know they're very protective over their stuff, their boats. Like you don't just go touch someone else's boat. Jesus steps into this thing. It's almost like he's treating it like it's his. Well, he created the wood it was made out of. So maybe it was his, if you think about it. But I love the way that Peter just makes space for Jesus. He says, you know, Jesus, if you want to turn my boat into a pulpit, go for it. Bang, he does it. And this is, this is really, again, 
for me, becoming a real disciple of Jesus, not just a Christian, not just I'm saved, but it was a desire to give my stuff to the Lord and to let the Lord use. Now, at the time, now, Corin can tell you, my, my first car, my, that VW Golf, it was like a 1979 Volkswagen Golf. It was mostly the cream color, except for the rust, okay, because I parked at the beach all the time. And that thing, at one time, it was my sin vehicle, because I, I, when I wasn't walking with Jesus, it was just my passport, my way to get sin. And after that, when I get saved, and I'm like, consecrating us to the Lord Jesus, use this car for your glory, use it how you want to, and um, and over time, I started just plastering like Christian stickers on it. I remember I had one sticker. It was a big green one. It said, turn or burn. <laughs> it was like, we were pretty direct in those days, you know, evangelism. And, um, you know, the love of Jesus. <laughs> so, so that car, I started like volunteering, offering at youth on Friday nights, um, you, you know, driving the kids home. Some of the kids lived out in Tableview. Church was in the city. And so we'd be driving them out to to um, home after youth on Friday nights. And then this girl comes and asks me, and she's like, hey, um, is it cool? Can I drive with you to, um, to, to go drop the kids off at, at Tableview? And I'm like, yeah, okay. What's your name? Karen. So that's, that car just brought so much blessing into my life. <laughs> because I got to, she became my wife. And, and so, like, an amazing thing is just lend your stuff to Jesus. You won't be sorry. You won't regret it. How many of you guys are single? Okay? Do it. Just offer up to Jesus whatever you can. So, remember that. Number four, real disciples of Jesus are people who choose to obey rather than have it their way. And, and this is important. You've got to understand and just really get into Peter's head at this moment. How many of you guys have ever fished before and caught nothing? Okay. It, it really stinks, doesn't it? Hey? Josh, have you, where have you fished and caught nothing? In Zambia. So, by the way, Josh is, is a TMT student. and He's um, Timothy ministry training. He's one of us. We, we, we teach him. We're going through the book of Philippians there at the moment. And Josh and his sister Evelyn, they came from Zambia to come and, and uh, study here. So you guys, if you want to think about TMT, Timothy Ministry Training, you chat. Yeah. You'll, be the, you'll be the brand ambassador tonight. Okay. So, so um, fishing and catching nothing, it really, uh, that's, that's what put me off fishing. I, I, I just like that thing of catching nothing. And Peter, he says... When Jesus says, let out your nets, go, go out into the deep, launch into the deep, let out your nets for a catch. And he says, Master, he didn't say we were fishing this morning, caught nothing. He said we were fishing the entire night. Can you imagine, like spending your whole night away, casting nets, casting, and it's just nothing, nothing. All you got is seaweed. And, and it's just like, flip, now he's telling me go out again. And, and it's like by that time you're sick of it. You don't want to see a fishing rod for the next month or whatever. Now go out again. Go do it. And yet, this is, this is so awesome because he goes, like Simon answered, and he goes, Master, we have toiled. Like, fishing's hard work. We've toiled. We've worked hard. 
toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. You know, there's something I've learned again over the years is that for God, little steps of obedience are more important than big steps of faith. Because there are people who think, God, I just want to do something great for God. I just want to become a missionary in China or India or whatever, you know. But what about your little steps of obedience today? Because, you know, you inside of every single one of you and me included, there's a stubborn mule living. And that stubborn mule that always wants to go its own way. And for Jesus, when he commands you, Jesus knows your heart. He knows my heart. And when he's got to call us to do things that we don't necessarily want to do, that can be torture. And he says, nevertheless, at your word, because you said it, I will obey. And so he became a real disciple of Jesus. And you see, I find a lot of the time we are having to make choices in our lives between obedience and just my own way and my own heart. And it's so crucial. We got a, a, one of our youth, well, our youth leader. Um, he had planned and he had his family holiday coming up and it was in June and they were going to go. His dad's a farmer. They were going to go up country. And we're having coffee with him on Wednesday, Ross and myself. And he says, like, I'm really struggling because, you know, we've got this holiday planned. I've got a, a, a trip up there to the free state with my brother. We're driving up together, but it's the same week as the youth camp. And he goes, I don't know what to do. I want to go there, but, like, I know I should go here. And the next day, I say, okay, we'll pray for you and all that. The next day, I ask him, I was like, Neil, what did you decide? He's like, I'm going to the camp. It's laying down your will. Nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to do it. And so this is a real discipleship thing. Remember, guys, those little steps of obedience, so important. And I know God is going to use Neil mightily because he made the choice. Number five, real disciples of Christ are people who are in awe of Jesus. Can you imagine? You saw the picture of those fish when they were pulling in those fish and their nets were beginning to break. And Peter's like, hey, he's calling out to the other guys and, John and James come paddling as quick as they can, and they're like helping pull in these nets, and both the boats are full of fish so that the boats are sinking and the nets are barely breaking. And so they're like, wow, they are so amazed at the Lord when it says there, they were astonished, all who were with them, and there were some servants there too. What on earth just happened? And guys, you know, when, when I, and, and, this is, I think this is, again, it's a mark of real discipleship because we're just in awe of God. You know, there's these things. Could Peter take credit for that catch of fish? No. If he caught one, yes. And again, this is something. If we just look at what God is doing in Joshua, what's, how many congregations now? It's like 40-something. What on earth? How is this happening? Who's doing it? Like, honestly, like sometimes I look at Andrew and go, how on earth is that happening? You know, he's just an ordinary fellow, like guy. And how's this happening? We cannot explain it. God did it. And, and this is for us to be real disciples is that we're in awe of God. It's not like we've got a, a little bag of tricks and we're like, okay, how are we going to make this thing happen? 
You know, Woodstock Church, how are we going to get this thing to happen? Okay, let's pull out all the tricks. No, half the time it's, it's us just realizing our weakness and saying, God, your power, you've got supreme power here, Lord. This is your church. You make this thing happen. You do it. Lord, we need more leaders. God, bring that up to you. Jesus, we need more leaders. He's, he's the Jesus who brought fish where there were no fish. You can make it happen. And so all the time, uh, some of you, you're fishing for a, a wife or a husband, you know, and you're like, hey, yes, I've been fishing all night. I've caught nothing. And, you know, you, you look in the mirror and you go, yes, may, maybe it's just my look. You know, maybe I need to get some kind of makeover, you know. Maybe my braids aren't long enough, you know, whatever. And, you know, you, Leroy. You, and, and, and so, like, we, we, we can, like, start questioning and doubting and all that kind of stuff. But um, I'm just going to pray a marriage blessing over some. Who wants a marriage blessing? Future wife, husband. Yes. You see a lady at the back. Yes, Jesus. Give him, give him, yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. And, you see, this is, this is really, this is really the thing, the lifestyle that real disciples live is say like, yes, I just don't have it, Lord. You've got to make this thing happen. I've, ah, Jesus, yo, this is not in me. And, and this is the beautiful thing about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. As Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come. You're going to be my witnesses. And guys, you know, when it, witnessing just happens, when it's just happening and you can't help just talking to that person about Jesus, it just comes natural. It's not like, Okay, let me just look at my list. What, what do you have to say now? Okay, say, okay, if you had to die tonight. Uh, you know, it's, okay, scroll. Ah, oh, the thing closed. Sorry, come, I'll, I'll come back in a week. You know, and it's, but it's just something that flows from you. It's the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the power of God. We can't explain it. God did it. That settles it. Amen? So, number five, nearly finished. Number six. Real disciples of Christ are not ashamed. Now, guys, this is important. Real disciples of Christ are not ashamed to admit their sins and failings. And, and this is something that I think an area where, like God said to grow me in. Because, you know, I, and, and for many years of my Christian life, you know, you really want to put your best self forward. And, you know, you always want to, you know, portray to people. And you can't really just bring out the real you that's really struggling and suffering. And like, hey, you know, I'm not doing so well, actually. And I can tell you, as a, as a leader, this is something. And Cara and I, we've discussed this and spoken about it at length. But, you know, for many years, we just kind of realized we've got to just picture, portray, okay? And, you know, sometimes the real you is aching, hurting. Like, I mean, I'm sure we've got Mike here. I'm sure there are times where he just does not feel like picking up a guitar, right? Or, or leading worship. It's just like you're feeling empty or no capacity. And like, I mean, how would you think if Mike was leading worship tonight and he comes and walks up here and he goes, guys, I supposedly worship tonight. I just had this fight with my wife. Um, I smashed the car. I'm just... Like, I'm not in the mood for worship, actually. Can someone else play the guitar? You know? Tony. <laughs> you know? And it, it, it's, it's just like, 
You know, sometimes we so hide the real, and, in, and, and instead, like Micah, just like, hey, guys, and like, hey, you know, we're just going to worship Jesus, and meanwhile, like his head, you know, and it's got all these, like, demons that are like, you know, and, and like, sometimes, just to be honest, like, and, and say, guys, I'm really struggling. Before I preach this preach, I need someone to actually pray for me, because I'm not good. Things are not good, and, and, like, you know, Corin, she says, she tells us, you know, it's so good that we actually at Weinberg Church, because it's like a 20K drive, and if there's anything wrong in our hearts, we've got 20Ks to repent, <laughs> to, like, hey, babe, I'm sorry I made you late again, you know, and, like, we, it's, it's that, like, and I see, there was a real problem when we were in the city, because we just went down the road, and, you know, we were thick, and, and so we brought our son into church often, and, like, and I know, like, the things of, of just, like, Peter, you know, he just falls on his knees. Now, all the other, James, John, the guys, they're watching G uh, uh, Peter, and he's like, Jesus, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. Oh, Lord, you don't just depart from me. I'm not with it. Now, what, what did he do that was so sinful? Uh, well, maybe the Lord was convicting him in a number of areas, but it could have just been that there was such a heart of unbelief. Say, who does this guy? He's preaching. Now he tells me, I must go do this. What, who's he think he is? Whatever. Like his mind, the thoughts that were sin. He's, and he's saying, like, hey, those thoughts are wrong. For any of you thinking a bad thought about me, why don't you just put your hand up right now? Because you can leave. Let's go. Out. Okay? But they, they just think about it. Like, guys, I even know that... I, and, and this is something, again, it's one of those Christian things. Like, if, if you happen to be here tonight and you smoke, just make sure when you come into church, we can't smell anything. And you just, like, pretend, like, you know, like, you, hey, you know, I'll leave those box of smokes at home. Okay? And we want to, you know, you spray deodorant all over you, you know, so you don't get that, like, nicotine smell, like, wafting in after you. Okay? And guys, I have it all the time. Like, sometimes I'm praying with someone and I'm like, and I just get that nicotine smell, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, yes, yes, another smoker, you know. <laughs> and he's trying to hide it. But just like God's got to release us of that. We're we family, guys. We've got to be real. Just pray for me. I, I'm struggling to quit smoking. And, and sometimes, like, you, you know, for <laughs> I didn't know. No. But it's, it's, it's like. You know, I'm sitting outside. We, we, we were, you know, Mondays are off day. And I'm sitting outside in our deck chair. It's like about eight. I've dropped the kids at school. It's about eight in the morning. I'm just having my coffee, devotions. And I just see this little plume of smoke, like, in our neighbor's garden. And I'm like, what is this? Like, this plume of smoke. And it's going wider and wider. And I'm start, after a while, I'm starting to choke a little bit. Because the wind, like, there was a slight breeze blowing at this one. I go, like, and I look down there. And there's my... Our neighbor, she, the wife, she's having a smoke, but she doesn't want her husband to know. And she's like, and she looks up at me, and she's like, ah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, caught you. <laughs> but, you know, the Lord sees it. He knows it. And, you know, guys, like, just, like, realize that, like, real disciples, we're not hiding our true selves. Okay? Because that's just called pride. Okay. So, one more thing. And, and that's, again, number seven here. This is really a, a, a clincher. Um, real disciples of Christ are people who are on a mission for God. 
real disciples of Christ are on a mission for God. And Jesus, you know, and he, he's like, okay, you Galilean oaks, yeah, come on. You're going to be my disciples. I'm going to bring you into business. Okay, you know, father and son thing. Come on into the business. Join me. My business is fishing for men. Saving lost souls. And guys, this is really when your heart begins to beat with the heart of Jesus' heart because you have the Holy Spirit in you and Jesus has the Holy Spirit. And when you suddenly finding yourself being concerned for the salvation of other people, you know you're real disciples. Because real disciples are on the mission of Jesus. So Jesus said, go out, preach the gospel, bring people to me, baptize them, save them. And then he says, go make disciples. And so all of us here in this room, we should be engaged. If you're saved, if you know Jesus, number one, we should have a desire to do what Jesus did on earth. To go, because Jesus said, my heart is to seek and save the lost. So that should be our desire. And then the second thing is, how can I help people to grow in their faith? Be part of a calm group. Encourage other people. Maybe you're not leading the calm group, but like, my sister, yeah, when you shared that word, that was powerful. I think it ministered to a lot of people. And um, that, that kind of, those kind of testimonies are faith building for all of us. And so we need to really like, take up this mission of Jesus. Take up the mantle of Jesus. This is what he is calling us. Make disciples. Be a disciple. Make disciples. You know, I'll close with this. And, um, and I, I really... Um, my kids, they, you know, they kind of, you know, they laugh at me because I, I, I tell them I want to be a social media influencer. <laughs> you know, I'm going to market. Okay. Okay. So how many of you, let's be honest. Okay. This is the honesty session. How many of you have drank a bottle of Prime? Okay. A sip. Okay. Okay. So. I'm at Checkers, and I'm doing my shopping, and, and you know, like for us, money's tight. Like, we've got to make sure, you know, it's the eggs, it's the bread, it's the milk and the butter, you know, and a few little other odds and ends. And yeah, I'm seeing this guy, there's this thing of prime bottles, like, stacked about this high, and these guys that are standing around it, like, looking at it, and then I see a guy go, you know, and I'm like, bro, you're wasting your money. Don't do that. You know, it's just nonsense, but it's, you know, it's, it's those guys, and I ask my kids, like, what's going on here? Why are everyone getting bazookas? And, um, you know, they, so it's Logan Paul, and it's Case I, and they, so they social media influencers, and they've made, apparently, uh, like $250 million on, on this little silly drink. They're influencing. And I just thought about it. Yeah, like, we are all influencers, we're influencing people in any way we decide. And if they're selling like some kind of silly drink and go, hey, yo, guys, look. You know, because they're not even, I watch, I watch a couple of those videos. They're not even drinking it half the time. They're spraying it over people, you know. And it's like, come get it, <laughs> you know. This guy's jumping off a high building on parachute and he's like, hey, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, seriously, come on. Guys, we need to influence people for Jesus. This is a kingdom business. God can use us. And, and you know, and, and this is something I'm going to take you back a few years. But like the first, when I said Jesus, I said, yeah, I want to be a real disciple. And, 
and I, I realized that, God, there was a call on my life, and, and other people were kind of testifying to it, and I started praying, my parents asking them for wisdom and counsel, and I felt that God wanted me to resign my job and to step out in faith, not knowing what was the future would hold. And I did that, and I gave up. I had a nice little apartment on the other side of town, gave that up, and, um, and then God opened a door to go to Australia and to go minister there in a couple of cities and towns. And um, so that was pretty awesome. And so this one day, my friend and I, we, we go to, into Newcastle. And um, we're staying with someone. There's a YWAM base there. We're staying there on this base. And uh, we go out and we meet some youthies. And um, we go to their church. And so this picture here, I want to show you a picture here. We're sitting in a KFC in Newcastle. And there are these kids with us. And, like, we're just chatting to them about the Lord. And, um, and like, I went to Australia with discipleship. You want to be disciples, not just Christian, disciples. And so whenever I was getting opportunity to preach, speak, or whatever, disciples, be, go all out, make disciples of all the nations. And so this kid, um, like, his name was Scott. And um, so he is like kind of super shy guy, introvert, and um, freckly, long blonde hair. And um, we surfed a bit, and um, he's a keen, excited surfer. And um, at that point, like, I, th I think he was the only Christian in his family. I think his brother had just accepted Jesus. And his father was like an atheist, wanted nothing to do with it. And then his mom got saved. And then he told them they're all a bunch of monkeys. He, s he said to them, go live in trees. You know, monkeys live in trees. And he really ragged them. And so he was getting a lot of flack, even at home, from his family. I don't know if any of you guys having that little tension like that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, there was a photo in my, in my photo album, came back to South Africa, years passed. And suddenly God pops this guy's name. His name was Scott Samways. God pops his name. And I was like, what? Why are you bringing this guy's name up? I mean, Lord, it's been like years. Must I pray for him? Is he going through something hard, whatever? And so I Google his name, Scott Samways, and suddenly I discover that this guy is in Australia, in, in Newcastle, leading a major big church ministry. I start reading about him. I listen to this guy. He preaches passionately. He is leading a, a ministry called Youth Alive New South Wales. And God is using I mean, that guy's going on rockets for Jesus. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, if, if, if God to, could do that with Scott Samways, he could do that with anyone here in this room. And so, guys, I want to leave you with that, that within us, within every one of us, is the ability to say yes to Jesus. You can do it. You can do it tonight. And I remember that night, that Easter camp, when I just, what am I doing, God? I just feel you pulling my heart, and I'm walking forward to the front I don't know why this guy just said, come to the front. And I'm coming, and I like, I just want to be a disciple. I want to serve you, Jesus. I want to go in your lane. I want to do the work that you did. I want to do the work of God.